Hello, you're listening to the Women of the Field podcast. Today's episode will focus on the emergence of civilization in Egypt and the life of Amelia Edwards, a woman who earned the title the Godmother of Egyptology by her extensive archaeological experience in Egypt. podcast. This is your host, Mackenzie Edmonds. In the last episode, we talked about the criteria for a civilization, the oldest known civilization, Mesopotamia, and the life of Gertrude Bell. This week, as we move into discussing the rise of Egypt, I think it's important to keep in mind the criteria that qualify a group as a civilization. I don't want to go through all of them, because there are a lot, but I do want to emphasize those that I'd argue are the most important in terms of Egypt's rise. One of the critical criteria that makes a civilization is the presence of agriculture. Without agriculture, there's no easy way to establish a surplus of food needed for population growth. Groups that were only hunting and gathering could not sustain a large population without the majority working to secure their own food. Without surplus, specialization of labor would also not take place. Everyone's main job was to get their own food. There is no time for the art and architecture, the political establishments, and other key ideas that make up a civilization. Specifically for the civilization in Egypt, institutionalized religion was key in their success. Rulers were able to use the institutionalized religion to bring sections of the rising civilization under their power and ensure cooperation from those under their control. The practice of trade and interregional economy was also key to the success of Egypt, Many of the stone tools, pottery, and other artifacts present at the beginnings of Egypt show important trade connections with Palestine and the ability to build types of wealth needed for the social stratification that accompanies a civilization. I want to begin this segment about Egypt by discussing the ecological climate that made this a perfect place for civilization to rise. The Nile. Flooding along the Nile made for very rich land, perfect for agriculture. The deposits of fertile silts and clays were critical to the start of agriculture in this area. Along the Nile, the civilization is further separated into Upper Egypt, on the southern end of the Nile, and Lower Egypt, on the northern end of the Nile. This may seem a little backwards, but there's a really good explanation for naming the land this way. The Nile River actually flows south to north, and this long river provided easy transportation means between the two sections making up the civilization. The flooding patterns of the Nile are a big part of the reason that agriculture began to thrive. Domestication and agriculture first appear in the Nile River Valley between 8000 BC and 7000 BC. These early farmers lived mostly in small villages with economies based on food. With agriculture, these small villages were able to start building a food surplus, and these populations were able to grow. Large towns emerged that were fully dependent on agriculture. And eventually, these towns grew into communities that were linked together by trade. There was evidence of interregional trade in the artifacts and stone tools found during this time. By 3400 BC, two separate kingdoms had been established, one in the north and one in the south. Despite evidence of commercial relationships between the north and the south, differences in key artifacts such as pottery show a disconnect. 
The unification of the North and South is shown in the takeover of pottery style. Around 3100 BC, much of the northern style pottery had been replaced by the styles of southern Egypt. It is likely that a minor official, Narmer, had risen to power in Upper Egypt and then conquered Lower Egypt to unite the region. Ruling under a theocratic political system, Narmer was able to merge many of the religious beliefs into a single narrative that provided some control over the people in both Upper and Lower Egypt. Following this unification, Egypt entered into a period of great accomplishments. The economy had become incredibly complex, with considerable local exchange of goods and important long-distance trade with Syria and beyond. This was an age in which huge marvels in architecture were accomplished, the arts flourished, and the king had been formally established in a royal bureaucracy. This was the age of the pyramids. The largest of these towers about 481 feet above the ground. This is roughly equivalent to 14 school buses stacked end-to-end. -end. These pyramids likely acted as an extension of the religion. The pharaohs who were to be buried in them needed to be prepared for the afterlife, and this was one way of making sure that they were. Following the Old Kingdom's collapse, a restructuring of the socio-political climate gave rise to the Middle Kingdom. This time was turbulent fluctuating between periods of trade, prosperity, and thriving arts, and periods of revolution, poverty, and political unrest. Kings managed general control of most of Egypt until about 1720 BC. Asiatic people had begun to capture various centers until being expelled from Egypt by a new pharaoh around 1550 BC. This new rule was once again able to establish political unity, and the reformed bureaucracy brought forth new art and architectural marvels and increase of trade. Various periods of Egyptian resurgence and conflict marked the region until the conquering of Egypt in 332 BC by Alexander the Great, and rule by non-Egyptians would continue until 1952 AD. In today's episode, I will be talking about Amelia Edwards, a woman in archaeology who contributed to the studies of Egypt. But before I go into that, I'd like to once again emphasize the importance of talking about the contributions of women in any field. With any career, women often face many societal pressures that do not impact men. The cultural climate that these women existed in often did not support their decisions to work in formal roles. While some of that has lessened, there are still many ideas about who should work in which field that can push women out of the careers that they are passionate about. Amelia Edwards, the godmother of Egyptology, was born June 7, 1831. She was the only child in a middle-class family, meaning she was given every advantage afforded by the middle class at that time. She was homeschooled until the age of six, her mother encouraging pursuits of cultural experience and reading over the domestic duties that were common of the day. Entering her teens, she was already an accomplished artist and musician, and Edwards chose to pursue a career in music believing that it would provide her with passion. Finding that she was merely good, not great, Edwards quickly began searching for her life's purpose. She found this in writing. The poems and stories scattered throughout her lifetime pushed her into an illustrious career in journalism. And by the time she was 24, she had found success in this and had the added benefit of financial independence. At the age of 30, following the death of her parents, Edward's life was marked by travel through Europe. Following poor weather during the winter of 1873 in Europe, 
changed plans pushed Edwards towards Egypt's sun and warmth. After spending weeks traveling the Nile in a rented houseboat, Edwards' career plans were greatly changed. Sacrificing her successful writing career, Amelia Edwards chose to devote herself to the study of Egypt and the protection of the archaeological resources of the region. Her mission had become rescuing the ancient monuments and archaeological sites, studying them before their total destruction. She was to dedicate her life to resurrecting the grand histories within the archaeological sites. Similar to Gertrude Bell in the previous episode, these escapades would not have been possible without the privilege afforded to her by her family's place in society. While her writing career offered her significant financial independence, her middle-class status allowed her the experiences needed to develop her writing skills and explore careers in ways that many women in this time were unable to. Her direct participation in the field fostered a new awareness of archaeology's value and its incredible vulnerability. After returning to England following many years of archaeological study, Edward's passions for the history of Egypt had not died down. Her home was full of pottery, antiquities, and thousands of books, and the passion which had spurred her to learn how to read hieroglyphics had also fueled her next great work, the establishment of the Egypt Exploration Fund, later renamed the Egypt Exploration Society. She promoted the research and excavation of the Nile Delta as a powerful organizer. Concurrent with this activism, she made the archaeological findings of Egypt available to the public, rewriting field journals into articles to push for appreciation of the study. Her work with the Egypt Exploration Fund remained the most important to her, writing thousands of letters to those who would consider supporting the effort. Over the many years she had served the needs of this group, Edwards soon began to tire under the increasing load she had to bear, and her finances had begun to drop. In a great push for Egypt archaeology, Edwards undertook a demanding schedule for a tour of lectures in America. She was to give 120 lectures in less than a year. Following a fall that broke her arm and a battle with breast cancer, her health declined as she continued to lecture. Despite the energy pouring into these lectures, Edwards could no longer keep up with the pace she had set, and she died in April of 1892, when she was 60 years old. Edwards left her library, collections, and 5,000 pounds to support the Edwards Chair in Egyptology. Her knowledge and contributions had, until recently, been often overlooked, a victim of the patriarchal and class-focused society of her day. Despite this, her efforts helped to boost the careers of many archaeologists in the early days of studying ancient Egypt. Amelia Edwards had an appetite for adventure that couldn't be satisfied by a successful career in writing. She built her life on a robust schedule of adventures, traveling and observing archaeological digs, choosing to get involved, and fighting for the development of archaeology. Admirably, she chose to push that passion into the protection of history, condemning the looting and destruction of rich archaeological history. Thanks for listening to today's episode. This has been Women of the Field, by me, your host, Mackenzie Edmonds. I hope you enjoyed learning about the rise of Egypt and the life of Amelia Edwards. Sources for today's episode will be listed in the description, and if you're interested in learning more about women in archaeology, it would be worth your time to check out trialblazers.com. I hope you'll join me next week for another ancient civilization and another brief biography. I'll see you on Monday.